0: parking lots empty the seats vacant get your beer here ice cold beer it's here get your beer uh no one's here just open one for myself don't mind if i do but finally the words we've all been waiting to hear it's almost it's opening day two strikes the pitch hit in the air to deep center This is the Brewers Countdown to Opening Day Special. Our preview of lineups, rotations, and all things Brewers. And now, batting lead off. here's your host, Pat Foley.
1: Quite the hour we've got coming up. Craig Cashon's going to join us in mere moments. We're going to go around the National League Central with Jared Willis, Andrew Wagner, still in Arizona. Everybody else is gone from Arizona. The Brewers played their final game this afternoon in Arizona, and now they are... uh everybody's gone except for andrew wagner he's still there and we are going to uh, discuss things with him coming up later on this hour if you want to chime in you can do so 855-616-1620 it's the acunet mortgage talk and text line you can also tweet into the program at matt Pauly on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air we are back this year with brewers extra Innings. you can hear uh, myself and either Craig Kishon or Jerry Augustine following Brewers games uh, on WTMJ, sometimes on 94.5 ESPN, and uh, that's uh, we're we're just back the way we've always been, looking forward to it. So uh, happy to welcome on a guy who is uh, back in that co-host role with me. He is uh, Craig Kishon of Fox Sports Wisconsin slash Valley Sports Wisconsin.
2: Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm doing my. I'm doing great, my friend. Uh, I hope you've been well, and uh, can't wait to get the the baseball season going
1: next week. How are you do? Are you preparing yourself for no longer saying Fox Sports Wisconsin?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I'm, I've been preparing myself to say um, uh, Ballet Sports Wisconsin and American Family Field. So <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a it's going to be a, a, a double-edged sword for me on that one. So yeah, we're we're gonna. We're going to Valley Sports the the same day. We're going to officially uh, be saying American Family Field on the air, so it'll be interesting.
1: Is there like a get a
2: little grace period for mistakes?
1: Is there like a cuss jar in the uh, in the booth for either of those going in the uh, wrong direction?
2: Already been sent up, set up, and I think the further we go in, like the second week, I think the. I think the uh, fine, you know, doubles third week a triples. So yeah, they're honest. They're yeah. honest.
1: Fair enough. Uh, you're doing a lot of Buck stuff, and this is going to be a crazy few months for you as you as you toggle back and forth uh, between the Brewers and the Bucks. And there's a lot of excitement for both teams. As we talk, we're we're pre-recording this interview before the show. Uh, the Bucks are are on a nice long winning streak. There's optimism about the Brewers. Like all things considered, when you look back at where we were as sports fans, or as people who cover sports, this time last year to where we're at right now, it, man, it feels a whole lot different.
2: Yeah, it, it really does. It's, it's first of all, it was uh, great having the games back, uh, you know, full schedule. When I started back up with the NBA in, in late December, and just to know that baseball had its schedule out, and the further we got uh, towards spring training and, and guys reporting and everything and, and so far so good you know knock on wood of course but uh um and the other thing that it, it's great to see fans you know back i know there's some at spring training um there, there's some in nba arenas they're, they're here in milwaukee we're going to have you know what 10 11 maybe twelve thousand fans for opening day on april 1st as well for the brewers so um it, it's starting to feel good again uh from that aspect and and, you know, just one more for for all the people who were out of work because of the pandemic, no matter where you were working, but especially the ones that we saw every day at the arena or the ballpark. Uh, it's great to see people coming back to work, too. I think that is um, that's a, a bit of gratitude right there to see everybody uh, kind of back and smiling and earning some money again.
1: Yeah, you know that's that's interesting you say that because even when the Brewers played the sixty games last year and uh, we were around the ballpark for some of those games, there are so many people that were were used to seeing that just weren't there and sports is a weird deal where you create these relationships with people and a lot of times you don't talk to them during the off season and then the season starts and it's it's like you know the last six months didn't even exist it's right back to the way it was before and it was a very weird thing last year where yeah these games were being played and you were inside the ballpark but not only were the fans not there but other people the you know the the staff that you're used to seeing there weren't there either
2: yeah we always said you know the the fans are are something maybe we took for granted because they weren't there. The players uh definitely missed them. We missed having them around as well, uh, but I, I think we took uh, all the people that we work with and alongside for granted too and, and it's uh it's just great to see them back it It just uh, kind of completes the circle it makes you feel like uh, you got your family back together again.
1: Um, from a, just from a team standpoint, it's really kind of crazy where you consider... Two months ago, maybe not even, I mean, the general feeling about this team from a large percentage of the fan base was kind of negative, and then they sign Colton Wong, and they bring in Jackie Bradley Jr., and all of a sudden it feels, and they bring back Brett Anderson, and just those small moves, it feels like it was almost a 180 with the fan base where it went from being kind of not real excited about what was going to happen to all of a sudden looking at this team and saying, you know what, this this team could really be something this year.
2: Yeah, for sure, and and um, you know I I think a lot of it, quite frankly, had to do with you know what we saw offensively or didn't see offensively. Uh, so many guys struggled um, and were themselves, and I think the further we got away from you know Yelich's two hundred five and and Keston here leading the league in strikeouts, and you know um, not having Lorenzo Kane around, I think the further we distance. Um, ourselves from that saw these guys back at spring training, just listened to their confidence um, saying last year was uh, something you, you just have to forget. Um, and, and they're confident they're going to bounce right back. They're having good spring so far. Um, knock on wood, everyone's healthy at this point for the most part. Um, that, Matt, and then coupling with the fact that um, I think there's a, a greater appreciation for how this pitching staff is developing as a whole from, you know, some of the starters to some of the guys in the bullpen that are, you know, homegrown for the most part. And, and you look and you, you feel pretty encouraged that, you know, most of this pitching staff, you know, was developed by this organization and it's not, it's not an easy thing to do and it takes time. Um, and, and the guys that you mentioned in, in long and Bradley jr. And you got, you got two gold glovers, uh, out there somewhere in the, in, in, the outfield for Bradley and of course Wong at second base, but you know, bottom line is the defense was, was very porous last year and it's going to be much, much better this year as well. And, and things, uh, are, are coming together pretty nicely between the pitching staff and the defense and stuff. I, I just think you got to feel real good about that too.
1: They obviously prioritize defense, and up the middle it's going to be really good. And there's going to be moments at the corners, whether it's Travis Shaw at third. He's, he's a fine defensive third baseman, but he's not a, he's not a gold glover over there. And, and Keston here at first base, clearly there's going to be uh, some growing pains with him over there. But the up-the-middle defense is the defense that you're more worried about, and it, it feels like there's very few teams in baseball that can put out the kind of defense that the Brewers have.
2: Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. And, and to me, that's what makes your pitching staff even that much stronger. Um, you know, I, I really think the Bruce have the best pitching staff, at least the first, you know, your first two right out of the gates in Woodruff and in Burns, uh, definitely the best in the division. Maybe, maybe second only to the Los Angeles Dodgers at this point in the National League. So, um, you know, you put a great defense behind guys that are going to get a lot of strikeouts and, and throw a lot of ground balls, and yeah, that's a pretty good that's pretty good one-two punch right there. Just for just for a blueprint of how you're building your pitching staff.
1: I feel kind of silly asking this question because you can go look at almost any team in baseball, uh, with the exception of a team like the Dodgers. And you're going to go see those guys that are at the back of the rotation, the four, the five this year, the 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 number six guy for the teams that are going to go with a six-man rotation at times. And there's not a lot of great options out there. But for the Brewers, if Really, if you look at one area on this team where maybe there is some worry, it's the guys that are going to be taking that ball, that fourth, that fifth, that's, you know, the sixth day. Whether, you know, is Freddie Peralta going to bring consistency that he hasn't shown? Can Adrian Hauser do the same thing? Can Josh Lindblom, when he gets his opportunities to be a starter, uh, can he take that step forward? If there's a question mark, other than the bounce backs that we're expecting, uh, I would think the question mark would be maybe some of those back of the rotation kind of guys.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. Um, I know, uh, counts unveiled as, you know, his starting five to start the season and, and it kind of caught my eye that Hauser was, was right in the middle of that. Um, you know, I, I know he's been a little bit up and down this spring and, and last year he had, you know, for, for that 60 game season, he had a, a great start and awful finish to it. Um, and then, you know, they had to use him down the stretch too, which, you know, in the past, they pulled certain starting pitchers um, who who have not performed well during playoff runs and and didn't didn't have the depth that, that they think that they do right now. So, um, but still, you know, the the top two guys in rotation aren't going to win every single timeout. So those aren't guaranteed victories. You just know they're going to be strong starts, and so you got to have the you got to have the rest of the guys fall in place. That, I will say though, they do have the depth to see how things go. And and it's not going to be right out of the gates in April. This team's going to be, you know, uh, the only starting five, you know, that they're going to use. So they're, they're going to use their depth. Um, you know, someone's going to succeed you don't expect. Someone's going to fail you don't expect. That's how baseball goes. But I, I still do like their depth um, and what they're trying to put together right now with starting pitching.
1: It feels like we're still waiting for Adrian Hauser to kind of, knock down that wall. Like 2 years ago Brendan Woodruff did it, last year Corbin Burns did it. And you don't have to put up those kind of numbers to to knock down the wall, but isn't there a point with young pitchers where you you go through like that proverbial wall and all of a sudden you're kind of settled in as a guy who's you are who you are as a big leaguer and there's at least some level of consistency there?
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think going back to putting him in, you know, in that number 3 hole right now, um for for that starting pitching staff, I I think, you know, part of that's an underlying message. Um, We think you're a starting pitcher. Uh, You can perform like a starting pitcher. You need to succeed like a starting pitcher now. Here's your chance. And if he fails to do this early, I mean, he's going to be replaced. Uh, But I think from a confidence standpoint, he's probably better off being in that rotation to start the year than he is for them to say you know we're not quite sure uh or we're not as confident you know in you and we're either starting the bullpen or you know uh put you at triple a level to start out with i think he deserves a, a chance to to perform at the for the expectations that they have of him and and i think right now it's it's his to lose we saw it in the last couple of years when You know, Freddie was in the starting rotation. It didn't work out. Bobrin Burns was in the starting rotation a couple years ago. It didn't work out. doesn't mean it ends their careers, but it clearly says, if you have confidence in yourself, this is the place we, we have for you, and we have confidence you need to go out and do it. So let's get it done.
1: Well, Craig, uh, excited you are back uh, on Brewers Extra Innings again this year. It's going to be you and uh, Jerry Augustine uh, splitting the time throughout the course of uh, the season, and we're uh, we're certainly looking forward to that and what's going to be at least a little bit more of a normal year this year uh, compared to what we uh, what we went through last year.
2: Well, we're looking forward to it, too, and uh, always uh, enjoy talking baseball with you, my friend, and, and can't wait to get the season going and, and get our shows going again after the ball game.
1: Craig Kishan joining us here on our countdown to opening day getting his thoughts on the Brewers and what they're going to uh what 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 he thinks they're going to look like this year and there are still questions to be answered but sometimes you go into a season and there's questions to be answered and like you don't really know I I don't know if you're going to like the answer to that question it it feels like this year there's legitimate answers that are out there that are good for the club they have to happen. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. Craig Council likes to remind you that every year there's going to be a guy that really overperforms what you expect and there's going to be a guy who completely underperforms and that's just baseball and that's what happens on in an any given year sort of deal. All right, We're going to take a step back and we're not just going to talk Brewers. We're going to go around the National League Central. Um, a weird division, a division that on paper, bluntly, doesn't look good. Uh, teams... I think the Brewers and the Cardinals did a little something. The Cubs and the Reds did a whole lot of nothing. And the Pirates are just the Pirates. And that's where it's at. But it's still a division that is expected to be very competitive. We will go around the division with Jared Willis. He joins us next as we count down to opening day.
0: You're listening to Countdown to Opening Day. This is the Countdown to Opening Day.
1: Some prognosticators have the Brewers winning the division this year. The uh, the Pocota prognostication has the Brewers as the first-place team in the NL Central, and that came out before the acquisition of Jackie Bradley Jr. I think generally more often than not, most people out there think that uh, this division is going to be either a two- or three-team race. Some people look at it as the Cardinals and Brewers. Others look at it as the uh, Cardinals, Brewers, and Cubs. There's a few people out there that think the Reds may still do something, but I think those people are few and far between. Let's get uh, an in-depth look. At the National League Central, we'll bring in a guy who covers Major League Baseball for Forbes Forbes Sports, excuse me, based out of Chicago. He is uh, Jared Willis. You can follow him on Twitter at J-W-Y-L-L-Y. Let's try that again. J-W-Y-L-L-Y-S. That's the uh, Twitter handle. We welcome on Jared Willis. Jared, thanks for your time. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk some baseball.
1: Yeah, we um, there's a lot of optimism in Milwaukee about the Brewers. It's a division that is not really thought of that highly. want to kind of go through it with you a little bit, and let's kind of go from my bottom to up, and I think just about everybody can agree what the bottom bottom is for uh, the NL Central, and that's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is there any reason to be optimistic really about any aspect of this organization right now?
3: no unfortunately <laughs> for the good people of Pittsburgh <laughs> there's really not um other than i think the most interesting thing for them this year is going to be uh the rookie cabrian hayes like following his season seeing how he does i think he's a legitimate uh rookie of the year candidate you know at least at this point you know we'll see how he does but um outside of him yeah i know, other than like Maybe watching some young guys, prospects, seeing how things are going in that in that way. Um, that team has really been stripped down to the to the bare bones. So they're not going to win a lot of games. They're not really, you know, no one at this point is expecting anything from them. So yeah, Pittsburgh. It's all about you know, pick your rookie and and just focus on what he's doing, um, and then hope that this team actually works toward rebuilding
1: well it seems like over the last 10 years or so and i, I know they've had a couple playoff appearances but it, it just seems like they're always resetting the rebuild if that makes sense and at least now they've right. got a guy who in, in ben Sherrington who at least it almost feels like maybe there's a baseball adult in the room with him if that makes any sense he's hamstrung by the the, the way the ownership is going to handle things and finances and everything but i, I if you're a Pirates fan, do you at least uh, hold out hope that you got uh, a guy like him running things?
3: Yeah, I think that's reason for long-term optimism for them, because I think you put it really nicely. Like it feels like you've got a grown-up um, running things, and with you know, yeah, there's going to be the constraints in Pittsburgh that that he's going to have, but you know, Ben Sherrington has shown he's got the track record. He he can he can back up. Um, his promises with some of what he's done in the past. So, but again, like the hard thing with Pittsburgh is they never seem to like fully commit to when they get a good team together to really like trying to open up a contention window. You know, we saw and six years ago now when they won um, 98 games and made the wild card and, you know, they, they lost to the Cubs, but like they had, they had a really strong team there. They had Garrett Cole in their, their starting rotation. And, and so you, if you think about had they been willing to stick with some of the go, those guys at that point and then as they get Josh Bell in the majors and some of these other young guys in the majors, you could be looking at a very different Pittsburgh Pirates team, but that requires that you have, you know, ownership or leadership that's willing to stick with certain guys and willing to like, pay when they need to pay um, so that your contention window is more than just one seeded.
1: I feel like in the division, and it's not a great division, but you kind of, when you look at the other four teams, you look at the, the Brewers and the Cardinals as teams that did a little something. And you look at the, the Cubs and the Reds that did a lot of nothing for the most part. Uh, so let's talk about the Reds. And for whatever reason, People always seem to kind of buy in to what the Reds have done in, in recent years, and I still feel like this year people are saying maybe they can be a little bit better than than, than what they're actually going to be. I don't buy the Reds at all. Do you?
3: Not really. Um, and, and I've definitely been one of the people who, in the last couple of seasons especially, when I sit down and look at what they have on paper, I, I've totally you know felt kind of wanted to jump on the Cincinnati bandwagon so to speak, like they, they look in a lot of ways like they should be good. They should win a lot of games. And yet they've shown us year after year that for whatever reason, whatever it is um, that's going on there, that they just, they're not putting together actual winning teams. So um, after kind of feeling like I've been burned the last couple of seasons um, this year, I, I'm going into it with much lower expectations for Cincinnati. So, Although I've seen a lot of people say that the NL Central is, is going to be a four-team race, I, I think it's more three mm-hmm. and three only if if the Cubs have a lot of things go well because the Cubs could pretty easily drop out of this race too um, if they don't get you know
4: top performances from certain guys.
1: The Reds. Get rid of their closer. They don't sign a shortstop. They lose a guy who won a Cy Young award, and it, it just it didn't feel like they replaced any of those uh, any of those positions. Is that a is there yeah. any reason? I, I'm gonna kind of ask you this question about every team. What's what's the reason to be optimistic about the Reds?
3: In their case, I don't know that there is one because, I, especially like just use Trevor Bauer, um, use what happened with him by itself like you the guy won the Cy Young and you I mean you have other pitchers you know Luis Castillo. like you've got some guys to to build something around but that requires actually committing to keeping people in Cincinnati and really building around them they've done some nice things here and there they, br- they brought in Nick Castellanos they um but it's like there's this lack of long-term commitment in some ways it's kind of similar to Pittsburgh like he worked really hard to put together this great roster for one or two seasons, but then if, if it doesn't work perfectly, then they just let him go and, and move on. I mean, Cincinnati was a, was a playoff team last year, and if they really wanted to be good, then you keep Trevor Bauer there and you you, you don't lose your closer and, and those kinds of things. But it's it's kind of a similar situation as, as the Pirates. There's just not like a long-term vision, or doesn't seem to be a long-term vision there.
1: Do you think they sell off even more as the year goes along? Because they do have some – a Sonny yeah. Gray could be moved, a Mike Moustakis could be moved. There's guys like that that there are rumors about them maybe being moved this offseason and deals didn't get done.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because those And those are the kinds of guys that um, playoff teams in the second half of the season are looking for um, as that added piece, that extra piece, um, that's going to help push them over the hump for October, you know, a guy like Sonny Gray, every pitching staff wants to get a little deeper as you get closer to the playoffs. Um, or Mustakas who has the, the postseason experience, you know, he was he was the hero in Milwaukee just a few years ago, um, and you know, that another guy who a contending team is going to want. So right now, unless Cincinnati just comes out of the gates really hot, I can see um, they're they're going to be selling off more people come July.
1: We'll get to the Cubs, and before we even get kind of a big picture on on the Cubs, and I know you've written about this uh, already, uh, the big news coming out of Chicago is the the decision to go with Eric Sogard, a former brewer, and send down Nico Horner, a guy who – has had a nice spring, and and this just it just smells of service time manipulation because he's got to spend just a little bit more than a month uh, off the big league roster, and the Cubs are going to be able to save uh, a year of service time. And clearly, uh, probably the you know the they're the poster child for that stuff because of what happened with uh, Chris Bryant a few years back, and now all of a sudden yeah. a lot more people are taking note of what's going on. But what's your takeaway on this decision that's being made over the weekend?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have predicted this. This is not what I expected that they would do. Um, but you know, as you examine the decision, I think there's, there's definitely some layers to it. You know, layer number one is, yeah, there's, there's some service time considerations here. Uh, cause it's, I think it's 36 days and then they get another year of control. Um, and you're right. I mean, the Cubs, after what happened with Chris Bryant, I think any move like this that they make, everyone's going to kind of look sideways at. Um, and that's fair. And we're also, because what happened with uh, Jared Kelnick in, in Seattle, uh, where they very clearly are sending him down for service time. So you have that uh, with Nico Horner. But there's also just the reality that, like, I think he's only had something like 200 plate appearances in the minor leagues. He's never played in AAA. He was called up in 2019 from double a because the Cubs are hobby you know, Baez had just gotten hurt. And so they were kind of desperate. Um, and so there's also a case to be made that the guy just genuinely does need more time in the minors, um, to, to improve as a hitter. I mean, defensively, I don't think there's a lot you can criticize, but as a hitter, I, you know, there's room for growth. He's, he struck out a lot last year. Um, batting average took quite a dip last year so there's some signs that you know major league pitching he's not totally ready for um so but I do think it's probably going to be one of those situations where by the middle of May Memorial Day he's probably back with the team I'm not sure what that's going to mean for Eric Sogard um but for now at least yeah that's I think there's a lot going into that decision but you're definitely right the service time question is one that everybody should be asking and, and looking carefully. at.
1: People are down on the Cubs because they basically did nothing, just some very small moves. At the end of the day, you still have Anthony Rizzo. You still have Chris Bryant. You still have Javi Baez. You still have Wilson Contreras. I mean, If these guys all perform to the level in which they can perform, and I know we haven't even gotten to the pitching yet, there is at least an avenue for the Cubs to be a good team this year.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, and when you consider that last year, almost all of those guys had a down year. You know, the only guy in the Cubs roster last year that could say he did all that well on offense is Ian Happ. Um, the rest of the offense was was pretty terrible, and they still managed to win the division. So, if you get a bounce back from some of those guys, they're they're going to be productive. And two, I mean, several of them are entering these are contract years. So until you start to see that maybe they've gotten extensions or whatever deal has been worked out, you have guys who are thinking about that next contract and, you know, yeah, it's not as if some a player can ever just flip a switch and suddenly do better, but we've all seen it happen enough times where the guy in a contract year just plays a little differently. Things look a little different. So there are some reasons I think to feel optimistic, optimistic about what could happen in Chicago. Um, because there is loads of potential there, and guys who are veteran players who are good who are coming off of down years.
1: From a starting pitching standpoint, quite honestly, the rotation doesn't scare you. Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, a very different Jake Arrieta than when he was last in Chicago. A Zach Davies, Brewers fans very familiar with with what he can do. Uh, but that's a that's a group that you've got a lot of kind of respectable guys. But it's not like you got that you know big time stopper in there.
3: Yeah, I think trading away you Darvish, that's that's pretty huge because he was set up to be your you know, your your number one, your that stud at the top of the rotation. They just yeah, they don't have that. They've got some good I mean, Hendricks is a great pitcher, but I mean this is a power league right now where you need power arms and um the Cubs just don't have that. They've got a lot of guys who don't throw very hard, good command control types of guys. You know, I've heard the same thing said about, um, Trevor Williams that they brought in. Um, but yeah, when your, your number one starter is topping out at 88, 89 miles an hour, um, that's, that's a different kind of baseball that you're playing. And yeah, Arietta like this, he's just not the Arietta that he was, um, a few years ago when he was last with the Cubs. So he's your number three, number four. I think the big question for them is, whether or not they can get uh, Albert Alzelay, um If he can pick up the back of that rotation and really start to pitch to what they think he's capable of, that could be a really big difference maker. So a lot of it could actually hinge on him.
1: Most folks are picking the Cardinals to win the division. They made the splashiest move of the offseason uh, when they went out and got the Rockies to pay them to take Nolan Arnato off their hands, which is still one of the most ridiculous things we've ever seen. Their corner infield is as good as it gets with Arnato and Goldschmidt. Up the middle is okay. Question marks in the outfield with some with some young guys, but it, it's really tough to look past uh, that that duo of Or and Goldschmidt.
3: Absolutely, I mean, I think that's you'd be hard pressed to find a better first base third base combination than those two guys. Um, and so the Cardinals, I even honestly, even before they got Aronado, I, I think I would have picked them as the favorites for the division, but then you go out and you make a move like that. It's it's really hard to justify not picking them for that, that top spot. They, you know, maybe rotation wise, kind of unclear, like how deep that rotation actually is. Um, but offensively, at least they may make up for it where they're going to score so much that they can get away with not being quite as strong uh, on the mound. So I think they're an easy favorite, but, I do also still think that I don't see them ever having a significant lead in the division. I kind of imagine this to be, you know, they might win the division by two or three games. I expect it's going to be close all the way to the end.
1: Do they have enough in the rotation? You know what you get out of Jack Flaherty, and that's a fantastic guy to have at the top of the rotation. Hoping for, a, a you know, Miles um looking to see what he can do in terms of if he repeats what he did two years ago. Adam Wainwright's back, but Adam Wainwright's a, a year older. Do Do they have enough there in the starting rotation?
3: I I don't think so, and I think with, whether or not they really live up to expectations this year will probably have a lot to do with, you know, not only whether Adam Wainwright can be decent as your middle-of-the-rotation guy, whether, whether or not Michaelis can uh, pitch well. It's going to be like, how do they figure out filling in those fourth and fifth spots do the, you know, where, where are those innings going to come from? Who's going to pick them up? Um, Cause I mean, Jack Flaherty has shown that he can absolutely be in but He's also still a pretty young pitcher um, who doesn't have a ton of major league experience under his belt. So um, do you want to put all of that on him right now? Uh, I, I don't know that I would. And so yeah, I think the question for that is going to be the, the back of that rotation are they, is that spot in the roster going to cause enough trouble for them where they're either going to have to make a move at the trade deadline or really hope that they're getting something from other arms in the organization?
1: I brought John to go around the rest of the division, but before I let you go, let's talk about the Brewers for, for just a moment. What, how, they, they made some moves. They bring in a, a, a Colton Wong. They bring in a Jackie Bradley Jr. They bring back a Brett Anderson. They, they did stuff where a lot of teams didn't do anything. Do you like this Brewers team?
3: I, I really do because I, I think they've done. They made a lot of moves, and they're they're smart moves. Um, they're not necessarily flashy, but they're they're smart. Uh, like the cold Long signing, that's I, I think that's really big. And, and if Keston Hiura can can work out as your first baseman, I think that that's all the better for them. Um, Jackie Bradley, I, putting him into your outfield with Christian Yelich, I mean, that's again these are moves that are not. Not flashy. They don't get a ton of press. They don't get a ton of attention, but they're they're smart. So I, I like this team in a lot of ways. Um, I think they're built for going through what is going to be... I think the NL Central is going to be tough, not necessarily because all of the teams are that good, but because they're pretty evenly matched. And so it, it stands to be a tough division race this year, but I think Milwaukee's built for that. And I think it helps that they have over the last few years as an organization we've seen now where you know Milwaukee is is in the hunt They're they're used to battling through tight division races you know having you know really stepping up in September doing things like that so um, that's why to me I think this is like I said earlier I think this is in a lot of ways maybe more like a two-team race this might come down to St. Louis uh, and the Brewers Unless, of course, again the Cubs, if if certain things break their way, but yeah, I, I see Milwaukee very much competing for the top of this division. So if they don't win it, I still think they've got a shot at being a wild card team.
1: He is Jared Willis. You can read his work at Forbes Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at jwyllys. Jared, always great to give your get your uh, thoughts on baseball, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again real soon.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: A deep look at the National League Central which doesn't look overly powerful on paper, but sometimes that's okay if everybody's kind of evenly matched and there's not a whole lot of difference between whoever's going to be the first-place team and whoever's going to be the fourth-place team, and then you have the Pirates. All right, what are the Brewers going to do in terms of the alternate training site eventually AAA using their depth? That's a big part of this year's arrangement coming off the 60-game season. And how is it all going to work out? Maybe you don't even know that the, uh, the, the way things are going to work at the beginning of the season. We'll get into all that and coming up in uh, just a moment as we count down to opening day.
0: Grab your pine tar and stick around. The Countdown to Opening Day continues. This is the Countdown to Opening Day.
1: to last year. There's going to be a lot about this year that's going to be normal. But it's not back to what it was like prior to last year. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. There's still going to be a number of things that are different, and that includes the way the AAA roster is going to uh not, not, not be put together, but I guess like literally, physically where they're going to be and when they're actually going to be playing competitive baseball games. The way it's going to work out this year is minor league camp has not yet gotten started in Arizona or in Florida for the teams that train in Florida. Uh, generally, in a normal year, major league camp gets started, and then a few weeks into major league camp, the minor league guys come in and minor league camp get started and you go from there the monoli guys have not started camp yet they are going to do that very soon now that teams have left their respective uh, spring training facilities so there is going to be an alternate training site this year much like last year last year they kept uh, a group of players in appleton working out playing basically kind of exhibition games on an everyday basis, and then when the Brewers needed to call somebody up, they called somebody up from the alternate training side, and that's how last year went. And it wasn't the same as playing real minor league professional baseball games. It was just kind of workouts going on every day in in kind of a game fashion. You're going to have that again for about the first month of the season. So for the players who have been in spring uh, with the Brewers uh, in Major League camp, They're still with the team. They're going to be with them uh, until the start of the season, and then they'll be sent to Appleton and they'll run an alternate training site. As that alternate training site gets going, uh, they are going to, um, they are then going to start minor league camp in Arizona. That's going to go on for a month or so and right near the beginning of May that's when the start of uh, the minor league season is going to begin. You're going to have AAA, AA, uh, High A and Low A. The minor leagues are a little bit different this year. There was a complete reorganization of the minor leagues this year. Not as much short season baseball being played. Uh, Just things are different now. Everything is under the control of Major League Baseball. It had not been that way previously. So for the first month or so, if the Brewers need to call somebody up, they'll again be calling somebody up from the alternate training site that does impact things because quite honestly the development that you want to have happen for a lot of young guys it's not happening at the alternate training site it's just a little bit different there's some development but it's not the same and then other guys are waiting a little bit longer somebody like Garrett Mitchell who's been incredible in major league spring training the, the question with him is, where does he go next? and He's probably going to have a very long time in Arizona because he's not expected to come to uh, Wisconsin, from what I understand. I don't think he's going to be at the alternate training side. I don't know if that decision has been officially made, uh, but he would be in minor league camp. So he'll have all the major league camp time, then the minor league camp time in Arizona before finally uh, breaking out and being able to join whatever affiliate he's going to be with. As far as things being different, and this is another aspect that's going to be very different this year when you go to games cashless um you can you can pay for parking you can pay for your beer you can pay for your brat using the major league uh the ballpark app that major league baseball has uh you can st- you can use credit cards but they're not going to accept cash anywhere if you only have cash with you there's going to be some machines where you can stick some cash in and it'll spit a card back out at you that you can then use but part of uh, the mitigation efforts towards trying to stop the spread of COVID-19 is there's going to be zero cash transactions that happen this year at American Family Field so that's going to be different that's going to be very very different just keep that in the back of your mind if you're going to games you don't need cash bring get your app have your phone fully charged or have uh, have credit cards because that's the way it's going to go Almost everybody has left Arizona except for Andrew Wagner of the Wisconsin State Journal. We put a bow on this by putting a bow on the Arizona portion of spring training. We'll talk with Andrew next as we count down to opening day.
0: Grab your pine tar and stick around. The countdown to opening day continues. WTMJ, W277CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studio. This is News Radio WTMJ. This is the Countdown to Opening Day. You're hearing more about stem cells for treatment.
1: The the Arizona portion of spring training is over, yet Andrew Wagner of the Wisconsin State Journal, he's still there. Let's put a bow on this program by putting a bow on the Arizona portion of spring training as we bring uh, Andrew Wagner onto the program. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm well, man. How are you? I'm good. What is it li- What is it like uh, around a spring training complex? And I guess this year's a little bit different because minor league camp's going to get underway later. But what is it like when everybody gets out of there and all of a sudden there's just not a Major League, uh, Cactus League spring training game to be held the next day?
4: Um, Unlike my colleagues who flew out tonight, like I know that Sunday night at Sky Harbor is like last call on Water Street on a Friday night. So it is you know the, the complexes go barren pretty quick and the rental car drop-off line is about five miles long and yeah it, it's crazy it's like night and day difference
1: it's a it's a different situation though this year because now that the major league and the triple-a guys get out of there minor league camp is now going to open here very soon
4: yeah they're going to have a, a little bit of a break while they do the intake testing for the minor league guys and then they'll get ramped up and get going and you know, it's it's going to be uh, interesting to see some of these guys that have been in camp with the Brewers in that little mini-camp that they had, uh, getting guys some extra work, how those guys are going to handle this little bit of a lull, uh, get a little bit of a break, and then, you know, get right back into action. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a new normal. We've used the phrase, you know, millions of times over the last year, but... You know, so far, knock on wood, it seems to be
1: working. Yeah, for somebody like Garrett Mitchell and other young guys who got the opportunity, I assume it's going to be a really long time in Arizona for the for the guys who have been in big league camp but are not coming back, or not going to be at the alternate training site. They're going through a full major league camp, and now they're going to have to go through a full minor league camp.
4: Yeah, and I know there's worse places that you could be stuck for a couple of months than Phoenix, Arizona in March, um, you know. Imagine as much as I love Appleton, I love the Timber Rattlers. You know, do you want to spend uh, a month up there sitting around, or would you rather spend it down here and do a little bit of hiking and see some sunshine?
1: Yeah, you make uh, you make a good point. Before we get you out of here, we're done here in just a moment or so. Uh, at the end, you know, we we talk so much about questions to be answered. When you had that kind of checklist of uh, of questions that you wanted to see answered by this team in spring training, do you feel like they did a a, a pretty good job of? having a good idea of who they're going to be coming out of uh, coming out of spring training. Yeah, I think so. You know, and, and I asked Craig Council this
4: after the game today uh, against the Reds, and he said, you know, we really didn't have any pressing questions uh, in terms of roster battles or anything like that, but you were curious to see, you know, how it was going to shake out in the outfield. You're curious to see if Colton Wong can handle the transition so far so good. Um, you know, can Orlando or see snap out of his little bit of an offensive funk? Can the offense from last year turn it around? And I think we're seeing encouraging signs on all those fronts. It's too early for a definitive answer, but I think if you understand the game of baseball and how it's made up and know that spring training numbers don't count, if you look at the Brewers' body of work over the last six weeks, I think you have to be satisfied that they're in a good position Place in terms of preparation and you know confidence.
1: Last thing for you, you you know what this team means to this community and the fans. And last year, fans were not able to come to the ballpark, and it was just it was so different. As a as a lifelong Wisconsinite, what does it mean to you knowing that beginning on Thursday it might not be you know full capacity, but Brewers fans are once again going to be able to walk into the ballpark and see games.
4: I expect it to just be. Therapeutic and loud and screaming. And to anyone that's going to that game, has a ticket to that game, cherish that moment because it's going to be special. And, I, and you know, people, I, I made this comment earlier. Someone thought that I, I might be exaggerating a bit, but I would put Thursday up there with the way that, you know, our, our parents and grandparents must have felt when the Brewers played their first game back in 70 hmm. and when the Braves made Milwaukee Big League in 53. Like, we've been waiting a long time for this. You know, just, not just in terms of watching baseball, but that sense of normalcy, that, that doing things that we used to do that we kind of took for granted till all this craziness started. It's going to be a really special day.
1: Great perspective. Hey, Andrew, uh, safe travels back to Wisconsin. We will see you in the press box on Thursday. Looking forward to it. And I'm sure we will talk to you uh, much more throughout the course of the year. Take care, Matt. Good to see you. Very good. There's uh, Andrew Wagner joining us here uh, on the countdown to opening day. And here we are. Here we are, just days away from the start of the season, and we are so looking forward to what this season is going to bring. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a naturally optimistic person, but I'm, I, look, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking on the flagship station right now. I truly believe that this is going to be a very compelling team this year, and this is going to be a team that's right there, in contention uh, certainly for a playoff spot and in contention for the division as well. I am someone who believes that the Cardinals and the Brewers are the two best teams in the division, and I don't think you got to go that much further down to see the Cubs and then probably not that much further down past that to, to get to the Reds. But a lot of reason to be excited about this team. It's going to be fun. one first pitch coming up on Thursday. Brandon Woodruff is going to get the start. The Twins are going to send Kenta Maeda to the mound. Corbin Burns will start the second game coming up on Saturday. And then Adrian Hauser is scheduled to pitch the third game coming up on Sunday. Back-to-back off days on Friday to open up the season. So they'll go Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the next weekend, they'll do Thursday, Saturday, Sunday again. And uh, yeah, that's going to be... Uh, uh It's it's just, we're ready, right? We're all ready. Uh, I want to say thank you to all of my guests who are uh, on. Jeff Levering, Lane Grendel, Craig Cashon, Tim Dillard, Vinny Rutino, Jared Wills, and uh, Andrew Wagner. Thanks to you for being tuned in, and we will talk to you after Brewers games for Brewers Extra Innings. Really looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then.